Live from Kalaloo Studios in New York City, you are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part sit down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kashana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. And now let's take this offline. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Hey, 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 y'all. All right, we are back for another episode Listen, y'all, illness is a mofo, okay? Working through illness will literally wear you out. And yet, if you're an adult and even halfway about your business, I'm sure that you have shown up to your job sick as a dog. And I'm not celebrating that mess anymore, okay? Do you remember the first time you went to work sick, friends? I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, you woke up feeling like you just got hit by a ton of bricks, but you dragged yourself out the door into the office. For those of us who are working from home, you dragged yourself across the hall or down to the basement or up to the attic or to the kitchen table. And you know good and darn well you are saying to yourself on the inside, you dummy, you need to be in the bed. But nope, you had to be the one to do fill-in-the-blank task. Only you, only you, right? Like, it was just you. You're the only one who could do it. That's what you tell yourself. But finally, someone at work, and again, if you're working from home, maybe somebody in your house, talked some sense into you, and you got yourself back in that bed, got a cup of chicken noodle soup on deck, and you stopped the nonsense of sort of trying to work and making everybody else around you sick. Okay, well, today I want us to talk about a different type of illness, and that is your leadership. And I know some of y'all are like, wait a minute, Kashana, don't, 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 don't go too far without talking to us about how when you showed up sick. Friends, like I used to like really hoard my vacation days, okay? I wanted to be on a beach. I wanted it to be sunny. I wanted to have a cocktail. And so I was making sure that I held on to my PTO. And if I could make it into the office, I was going. And I would just lock myself in my office or wrap myself in my cube and say, don't come close to get my work done. Because I was like, I'm going to save these days for when I really need it. I know. Okay. Judgment. I needed it then. And I should not have been hoarding my days for sunnier days. Because let me tell you all something. By the time I got to the vacation portion of the program, your girl was worn out. And not just that, but like what kind of example was I setting for my team? I mean, like legit, like I think my team members must have looked at me like, yeah, she does the most. And it doesn't create an environment where you feel like you can be anything other than in six gear, going at 160 miles an hour, like you're driving on the Audubon. It just doesn't feel like you can do anything else or that anything else is unacceptable. 
And I drove myself so hard, y'all. I mean, like, this is ridiculous that I think that even when I wasn't sick, I was probably sick. But this all stems back from childhood. I don't know how many of y'all grew up where unless your fever was like 101, your mama was giving you, at least in our household, it was some kind of elixir, you know, something from Jamaica. Um, And we were, she would break our fever and we would be headed off to school. So you had to be really sick to stay home. Otherwise, your butt was going to school because people had to work. And so um, that sort of like foundational idea that unless you are, I mean, literally just dragging yourself behind you, (laughs) if that's even possible, you had to go in. But there are different types of illnesses and one of them could be your leadership. And my friends, some of us are sick as all get out, okay? Now, it's Captain Obvious that we are still in a pandemic. Although if you let the news tell it, look, on my news channel, some cities and states and countries, y'all are outside, okay? Open, despite our best efforts. So clearly, you do not want the zombie apocalypse to end ever in life. And we're not going back to before. In the earliest days of the pandemic, we would constantly be talking about this before when things returned to normal. When, when, when? Well, the pandemic aside, time just moves forward. When do things actually ever return to the way they were before? It's sort of like Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall, right? Doesn't matter how you put it back together again, it's not quite the same. And so the reality is we're not going back to before. And the truth is, before wasn't the best for a lot of us. Let's keep it a whole, like this wasn't the best. Like some of us were operating in a way that was literally tearing us down by the thread, 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 pulling it away. And this past year, at least for me, has had all of the lessons and y'all, all of the revelations. And I don't know about you, but like, Did you feel like maybe prior to this last 12-month cycle, we were asleep at the wheel a little bit? I talk a lot about being on the hamster wheel of busy. And that hamster wheel is seductive. Just has you going and you're going and you're going and you're going and you're going and you are going. But you could be going and be a zombie literally in your own life. And for me, this last 12 months, it made me realize that I was popping a busy pill, popping a workaholic pill and heading into the proverbial office. So here's the thing, y'all. I love to work, okay? You know, I was listening to something the other day that was talking about trauma and um, how folks who have had different types of trauma, big T trauma, little T trauma, um, fascinating um, conversation I was listening in on, you know, my favorite place, Clubhouse. And it got me to thinking that I find real comfort in my work. There's a safety there for me. You know, I know what to expect. I know how I show up. I know that, you know, if I put my muscle behind something, if I put my thinking cap on, that I'm going to get some amazing results. And so work, you know, that was my good, that was my comfort place. Uh, but it's not like my friends, my good girlfriends, to be specific. <laughs> didn't send up the smoke signals of concern at my work style. I mean, I was working all the time, y'all. So prior to the zombie apocalypse, I wasn't really going outside except when I was on the road traveling to speak or to teach or train. I wasn't 
wearing my fly clothes or my fly shoes. Have y'all seen my shoe collection? I should post about this on Instagram. I'm going to. I, except if I was on stage, you didn't see it. I was just tip, tip, tapping on my boyfriend, also known as my laptop. And y'all, it's sort of lame, to be honest. I mean, I felt like if I couldn't do anything else, I could actually work because a lot of my worth was tied up in my work. And so having to completely shift gears because although even prior to the pandemic, I did a lot of my work virtually. I have a home office. My team works remotely. A lot of my clients are remote. Um, So I wasn't new to remote working. Coming off the road, coming out the spotlight, coming off the stage, coming from in front of a room, a packed house, a small conference room, and everything being in this um, office that I have for myself, it sort of just like shook me and woke me up. Because prior to that time, y'all, it was easy to hide behind the hustle and bustle. And I can't tell you how many folks that I talk to right now, how many of my clients say to me, Kashana, the fact that I don't have this hustle and this bustle, the fact that I can't be my usual busy bee self, it's driving me crazy. And so the question that comes up for me, for y'all today, Fab Crew, is, so what's your work? I recently wrote about one of my favorite role models, um, Cicely Tyson, uh, who just passed away. Um, By the time y'all are hearing this, just passed away a few weeks ago. And how she lived a life of deliberate excellence. So I recently wrote about one of my favorite role models, Cicely Tyson. And she recently passed away. And how she lived a life of deliberate excellence. It got me thinking about what I did regularly to be excellent, to like be excellent on purpose. And I don't just want to stumble into being excellent. I actually want to choose excellence. And sometimes we confuse hard work with excellence. We confuse driving ourselves all the way to the mat, to the, to the, you know, to the white meat um, with being excellent. But when you think about excellence, I think now about health and health being a healthy leader. And so my second question after what is your work? Because I want y'all to just get a get a get a piece of paper, y'all, and write that down. If you're driving in your car right now, you know, just make a mental note. Hit it. Siri, what does it mean to be? What is your work? I need y'all to hit that in there so you can come back to it later. So the question that comes up out of that around being intentional about my excellence is what does it mean to be excellent but in a healthy way? What does it mean to be a healthy leader? Y'all, I'm not just talking about inspiring people to do their best or leading the charge. That's not what that's not what it is. I'm not talking about being courageous or vulnerable, even though that's also a part of the cake batter mix of being a healthy leader. But I'm talking more specifically about the habits you have when no one is looking. When it doesn't seem to directly hit your bottom line, when you're in your private spaces and places. So for me, I had to come back to my values. So when I answered the question, what is my work? My work was really identifying for real, for real, what my core values are in this season of my life. And your core values, um, if something traumatic and you know catastrophic happens, and in this past year for me, it was both having COVID and having my step pops passed away. Sometimes those things shift, you know, your your values can get rocked. And so I had to really take a step back 
and to think about what does it really mean for me to have core values, not just I can, that I can rattle off because it's easy for me to rattle them off. Integrity, teamwork and community, fun, equity, wellness, family. Those things are so important to me. And if you've ever hung out with me or if you've ever seen me out in the virtual universe, you know, I am exactly how I show up in those spaces, friends. Um, you would know that you've seen one or two or even three of those values in action at any given time. But I had to go deeper and I had to think about how am I living these values out loud when no one is looking? I mean, let's take one. OK, so now I'm gonna give you all my business. Let's take health and wellness. I know that better health and well-being drive healthier habits and reduces burnout. And y'all, let me tell you something. I am queen of the burn the candle on two ends all the way fast. Keep burning. Ooh, it's all the way liquid. Burn it anyway. It smells good. Wait a minute. There's no more candle left. And so I am queen of doing the most. And so I know intellectually that if you have better health and well-being, you'll have healthier habits and therefore reduce your burnout. But I struggle, no matter what my routine is, with finding satisfaction in the consistency of my routine over time. Everything is all good in the beginning. Ooh, I love a new, that's the Gemini in me, y'all. I love a new thing and I like routine. And yet the satisfaction in the consistency of that routine over time is what plagues me. And in this past year, it was the worst, okay? I was constantly and consistently saying, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna get to it. I'll do that. And adding to that was I was in so much pain, I developed a a really just like um, almost debilitating uh, chronic back pain uh, last year that tomorrow felt like February, okay? Like literally, And so I had to start to look at this value differently, less about the routine and more about the result. What would it mean to me and what would it look like if I prioritize my health and overall wellness for where I am right now, as opposed to the aspiration of my 42nd birthday or my brother's 40th, or when the world opens back up and I want to go on a vacation with a future bay yet to be discovered, or hang out with one of my girlfriends on such and such, or, you know, have a, have a hot girl summer. Cause yes, after 40, you can have a hot girl summer. Okay. Um, what would it mean for me right now, as opposed to down the road at a time that I cannot yet see, predict, or understand what is in store for me or what the plan is for me? So I ask y'all that question. When you think about your values, kind of sit back. Y'all should get a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, you know, relax back. What matters when you get, when you, when you just get all in your feelings around something, what is the value that you're attaching to that? And so what does that mean for you? Now, y'all, you know, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, a mental health professional. I, at best, I am an armchair therapist, but I am a certified coach. <laughs> um, But I want y'all to be thinking about that. And if you got to go deeper with your life coach, with your therapist, um, make sure you put your your pastor, with your rabbi, whomever, with your faith leader, get in there because you're going to need to be able to understand what does it mean for you now? And the truth of the matter is it's hard to prioritize any of it when I feel like I'm barely holding on 
to the thread of being a parent. Now, for those of y'all who are not parents or caregivers, just hang on with me and listen in because I guarantee you somebody in your crew is going to need this little piece and you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, let me let you listen to this one piece. So y'all may have heard me talk about my daughter who I affectionately call the queenager. You can too. And many of you, depending on how long we've been hanging out, if it's the first time you're hearing me, welcome. But many of y'all who've been hanging out with me for years have watched her grow up. And so... She's with me literally 24-7, 365. But uh, she went to go and hang out with her dad uh, for, y'all, a miraculous six and a half weeks over the holidays. And it felt like the first time I could breathe in a year. And here's the thing. I like my kid. I mean, that's my homie. We're not friends. For those of y'all parenting styles, eh, your children are not your friends. Okay, from I'm back from my announcement to the regularly scheduled program. <laughs> and for those of you parents out there who don't have teens yet, you know, you can love your babies, but liking them, boo, that's a different story some days. Between the pick up this, did you finish your assignment? Did you call this person? Did you walk the dog? I mean, all the things. What I felt like really doing was sliding under the covers and taking a nap because there is so much expectations of parents and in particularly of mothers. And we're expected to be everything to our children, our partners, if we have them, our companies, our organizations, our teams. And we say we're going to do better. Hello, wellness industry at a whopping $639 billion in growing. And we say we were going to do things that are going to make being a parent easier. Hello, new mom economy worth another $46 billion annually. So I'd say we're trying really hard to do something, but we're still finding ourselves on the edge of ill mentally, spiritually, physically, and it's bleeding into the way we lead. We're exhausted at home. We're exhausted if we're able to go into the office. And now that so many of us are particularly working professionals who are not our frontline workers are working from home. We're trying to support our children in their education. We're trying to make sure we show up powerfully at the office for our teams, for our our organizations, our companies. We're trying to make sure that we have some semblance of a something, something for our partners and our spouses. And if you're a single mom like me, you're just trying to make it through the day. Okay. And trying to have get your sexy all for yourself. I mean, it's a lot. And so when it bleeds into the way you lead this little bit of illness, remember we talked about that the kind that you'll still go into the office. Here's how it shows up for us at work. We overwork up the ante on being a workaholic. So I already told y'all all my business and y'all know I like my work and me and work go together. So you can imagine that when I'm feeling especially a little bit under the weather when it comes to how I'm leading in life, it shows up in me overworking and being a workaholic and then pressuring my team to work in the same manner as me. And I don't mean no harm, but it shows up in that way. We are in constant fear of either being in trouble or getting fired. So for me, that shows up like, oh my gosh, which client am I going to let down? Am I going to say no to this event? Am I not going to speak at this conference? Oh my goodness, am I going to take on this coaching client? Oh my gosh, are my trainers happy? Oh my, I mean like the, oh my gosh, the, oh my gosh, the, oh my gosh. And if you are a team member, you are, you are worried about, are, is what you're doing good enough? You're worried about getting fired. Even though, even 
if you're a high performer, you're still worried, which makes your performance anxiety on a thousand percent. And so now you are literally almost in fight or flight mode. You are on edge. And then y'all, ooh, then we get triggered by every darn thing. You hear me? Especially from our colleagues or our managers. It does not take much to set us off in this particular mode because we are already worn. And if you thought you were a perfectionist before, (laughs) now you're the leader that everybody talks about at the virtual cooler. You're the one that everybody's having the side chat on, on Microsoft Teams or on Zoom. Okay. You're the one people are giving the eyes to, or they're turning off the cameras because they are tired of your foolishness. And so you have to really be thoughtful about that because what ends up happening is that then you start to take on more projects. You start to have a fear of saying, no, you don't want to ask for help. Even as we talk cash money about boundaries, all of a sudden boundaries are all out out of whack. Either we tighten them up too much or we just let them loose and don't have any. Y'all see where I'm going with this? That's a lot, right y'all? Like it is a whole lot to be ill in your leadership space because it shows up in ways that you probably weren't even like actively thinking about. And to make matters worse, in this time of crisis, I just have to put a fine point on this for my listeners who y'all just, I just need to help y'all understand really quickly. In times of crisis, I don't know if some of y'all have noticed the number of black and brown women who are getting promoted to visible positions of leadership increase dramatically, particularly black women. Okay. Well-qualified stepping into highly visible leadership roles, but it is not lost on me that it's at a time where not only is the crisis high, notice all those symptoms I talked about, your organization is experiencing all those symptoms around performance anxiety, perfectionism, not saying no, boundaries being a mess. Add that to the budgets being low, the runway to get ish done is like a helicopter pad as opposed to a 747 runway. And that invites sickness and failure. So now you're putting... Women like me, your friend Kish, who you love so much, into a position where we have a higher degree of of failure over success, despite our brilliance, despite how qualified and frankly overqualified we are for the role, because the conditions are such that 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 the leadership mechanism is ill. We've got to do better. So you might be wondering, how do you, leader at home, Move from the intellectual place of knowing you're not quite right to taking action. So I don't know everything, y'all, but I have a couple things I want to leave you with before I run. You've got to turn what you're feeling into action. Pay attention to your team around you and how your moves are affecting them. Is your your heart pounding after every call? Do your muscles tighten? Or do you get a clenched jaw when you're about to log on to the Zoom meeting? Is your energy all the way down to low every single day, every day? Even if you got the Pilates workout like I do, even if you are on the Peloton bike, even if you're doing the at-home rowing, even if you're doing the yoga meditation, are you still on one? Start listening to your body because as my friend Efi always reminds me, it keeps the score. What is happening 
How is your energy being affected by the shenanigans each day? Can you approach those questions without judgment of yourself? Ask yourself, is it my intuition that's kicking up and saying, "Mm -mm 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 -mm," or is it fear? If the past 11 months have shown me anything, it's that you have to check, check, and check again. This is the time where we've had to check in with ourselves so much because many of us realize that we were walking around ill, two steps away from leadership pneumonia. You cannot be an effective leader over time if you're sick because it seeps into everything you do, affecting how you think, affecting how you move and how you grow. And that's why this podcast and the conversations that we're going to keep having are going to be so critical for your everyday leadership toolbox. Because I'm not trying to fill up your toolkit with foolishness, okay, y'all? No platitudes and fancy jargon and all the things that sound good in the moment, but then when you're upset and you're having your Snickers hangry moment, you can't remember a darn thing. That's the purpose of us hanging out together. It's the purpose of making sure that you know that you can get what you need to live an effective, a healthy, and inclusive leadership story out loud and approach it with authenticity and approach it with joy. And so hang out with me for a while, y'all, okay? Listen to the guests that I bring on. Talk to me. Send, listen, subscribe, send me emails, look at the show notes, hang out, and let me know how I can help you figure out how to do this thing. Because I'm going to always keep it real, okay? We're going to take this offline (laughs) and give you the real deal about leadership and life. All right, y'all, I'm out of here, and I'll be talking to you real soon. Love what you heard? Found a little nugget, but need more? Head on over to kishcamp.com, my masterclass for managers who are ready to do things differently at work and grow their skills so they can lead with confidence. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Well, what's, is, is there another sentence that goes after that? No, I was going to say this and more. I stopped. I forgot. I was like, maybe I should write one more thing. Because you're asking. Oh, got it, got it. I know what I'm going to ask. I know what I'm going to ask. Come on, Scribble. Okay. I got it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Come on, Scribble. <laughs> Y'all, I'm just doing this on the go. <laughs> doing this on the go. Prepared.